Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Laurie Handlers, and you are listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness, a show about your sex and your happiness. And today we're going to go in a little different direction, not too far. We're going to talk about your gut. Um, and in specific, we're going to talk about your gut health and how trauma has impacted that. And so um, my guest today is Bronte Grooms. And I'm going to read to you a little bit about, and you, look, if you hear this introduction to her and you don't understand what we're talking about, that's why we're doing the show, so that you will understand how important this stuff is to you. We know how important it is to us because we've talked about it before, but we want to make sure you know. So let me tell you a little bit about her. She calls herself the Gene Hacker Gene ha- and what she does, the Gene Hacker. It's a place for women to activate their genes and grow towards a higher consciousness where they can live their fullest potential of health, evolution, and expansion. Bronte does this by creating customized roadmaps for each individual by utilizing nutrition science and ancient healing arts based on their unique biochemistry. So Bronte, thank you, Gene Hacker. Thank you for, for joining me on Sex and Happiness. Thank you for having me on here. It's a pleasure. You're welcome. It's my pleasure, too, because more and more people are asking me about what I do to hack, you know, to biohack my life, how I stay looking like in a few in this month of November, I'm going to be 73. And most people look at me and they just go, well, how the hell are you looking like this and doing this? And I say, I, I got a cupboard full of supplements. <laughs> right. and a lot of things that I do. So I haven't actually made my YouTube yet of all the hacks that mm-hmm. I do, but I want, this is a beginning, like you're having you on the show is inspiring me to get to it, you know, like to, to, to really share with people. So let's, so first of all, let's go back in time. Mm-hmm. And first of all, I want to know, I, I didn't ask you this when we met, but how did you get the name Bronte? That's like that. I mean, I'm sure people ask you that. Like, that's an amazing first name. I've heard of that as a last name. Mm-hmm. How did that happen to you? It is the last name. So you're right about that. So it comes from Emily and Charlotte Bronte, the romance, romance, yeah, the romance novels. Yeah. Um, what's also fascinating about Bronte, it's also origin from Greece as well, which means thunder. So I also resonate with that because um, I really resonate with the Phoenix. I'm a Scorpio and the Native American um, representative of the Phoenix is the Thunderbird. And I have a little bit of Native American in me. So I really resonate with my name to that level as well. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it's unusual. It's an unusual name. And some people may look at it and go, really? Like? Emily Bronte, Charlotte Bronte, you know, like that. So, okay. And then how did, like, obviously people's lives lead them to where they are, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to uh, have the passions that they have. 
So what happened that you got interested in gut health? Like what was happening in your life that made you start to go, hmm, I need to take my life in my own hands. Right. So I am trained as a dietitian, but during my studies in nutrition as an undergrad, it was really based on the science. It wasn't really connected with the lifestyle at all. So there was a huge disconnect with what I was learning and providing it into my own life. And what I noticed is that I really was struggling with food. I would abuse food. I would use it in a way to kind of fill that void of a feeling I wasn't getting. So it was a way for me to control. And so I would restrict foods. I would calorie count or I would totally avoid certain food groups or um, even skip meals. And really that just created a huge havoc on my brain health. Also um, having huge anxiety and just overall not feeling good about myself. And so that really pushed me into this direction of I needing to change. And so through that, luckily I was, I stumbled upon, um, not necessarily stumbled, but my mentor, Amanda Archibald, she's the founder of Genomic Kitchen. So she's someone that I highly recommend looking her up and looking at her work, but she's the one that introduced me to nutrigenomics and culinary genomics, which we'll go into a little bit deeper, but I was able to really create that healthy foundation and relationship with food. Um, and that's kind of what got me into looking more at my gut health because first of all, the restricting and binge eating and purging that did create some stress for me mentally, which affects your gut health, right? So when it, your brain and your gut are connected, they're sending the signals to each other where your gut is created with those nerve fibers that are helping send those signals. So if you're dealing with stress or anxiety, it's impacting your gut. So I've had um, some problems with that to the extent of um, acne and things like that. But sometimes it's something that you can't see right away unless you test. But so that's why I'm super interested in gut health is because if we're not focusing on our stress and our relationship, then food's not going to do much for you. Mm. So it, um, yeah. So you, okay. So you used a few terms that we need to define for people, assuming that they don't know what we're talking about. So when you say, uh, so I, let me just say that I saw or read just within the last two weeks that certain people consider the gut to be the real brain, like mm -hmm. to be the brain of the, of the body. We think, you know, this thing, the mind is the brain, but like I just recently saw, I, I, it was a YouTube, it could have been, uh, I don't even know whose show it was, but it talked about the gut being the real brain of the body, the thing that really makes all the signals. So would you agree with that? To some extent, I think they're both at play, right? Yeah. And a lot of chemicals such as like hormone serotonin, and those neurotransmitters I talked about are created in the gut, which is sending those signals to our brain and mm -hmm. telling us whether we feel good, the serotonin, the feel good hormone. Um, it could tell, you know, a certain moods that we're feeling 
but the brain can also be dealing with that stress and sending signals to the brain, like I just said. So it, it could go yeah. both ways. Yeah. Sure. Well, in the What the Bleep, in the movie What the Bleep Do We Know, they showed what happens with peptides that get produced in the gut. Like if I have the feeling like I'm just ugly or I'm too much or I'm, I have a belief mm-hmm. about myself over and over again by saying that to myself non-verbally and verbally when I look in the mirror, I can program peptides to go off in my, in my gut that'll keep me on that that never-ending self-fulfilling prophecy that I'm no good or I'm too much or I'm or I'm too this or too that. So I I agree with you and we need serotonin. We don't need so much uh the thing that people produce and stress, not adrenaline, the other one. Um cortisol. Cortisol, yeah. cortisol really hurts us unless we're in a life-threatening situation, then we need the cortisol. Right. And it also helps you wake up in the morning and things like that. So you want good amounts in the morning, but then you kind of want it to slowly die down where people are probably always like up and up and up and up with the cortisol, which fatigues your adrenals. And then you're, you're not producing as much or your body's not really reacting to it. And so, yeah, it can cause some severe issues and damages. I'm sure I've caused some of that. So, <laughs> so then the other term that you used was um, neuro nutrigenomic, nutrigenomics. Yeah, nutrigenomics. Yeah, also called or known as nutritional genomics. So, really, on basic terms, it's looking at certain foods and their components, and they're called bioactives. So, the bioactives are these components that can basically turn on or off genes like a switch, which can basically they're creating these proteins that can help us with regulating the certain inflammation response. So, they can either turn off inflammation right? Or they can turn on these certain genes that can um, put out um, the fires of inflammation. So you're either turning off that pathway that causes inflammation or turning on a pathway that can take out the fires of inflammation. It's at a rate of a million to one. So it's looking at like taking a fire hose to the fires of inflammation, right? It's a huge amount of water that is going to efficiently take care of the fires where I'm not sure if your audience is aware of antioxidants, but antioxidants are like vitamin A and um, like glutathione and things like that. And they take out the fires inflammation from a rate of one to one, which is great. But if you're having high amounts of oxygen, how, or I mean, high amounts of inflammation, how efficient is that going one to, to be one, with just one to one, right? So that's, that's like that's taking that's a teacup to to the fire, and it's not getting us very much out of that. So that's why there's so awesome. important. So yeah, I want to talk about that. That's fabulous because I mean I do lots of supplementation. So I take, for example, I take melatonin every evening, and I know that melatonin is a great antioxidant. It's not particularly known for that. Mm-hmm. Melatonin is known for helping people sleep. It's, it's known for helping circadian rhythms. Circadian rhythms are really important. Sleep is an underrated thing. People think people, the work ethic 
that people have had, at least in the United States. Other countries, they have siesta, they take it easier. But in the United States, maybe not in China, but in the United States, people work and they go, you know, yeah, I only need three hours of sleep a night. That is a fallacy. People need more. So I know that melatonin works with those things. However, it's also not known as an antioxidant and it's a tremendous antioxidant. Mm-hmm. So that's great. But I want to hear about your part, which has to do with the culinary. You know, how can people influence their um, their gut health and then, you know, their longevity by just the chemistry, I'm going to call it the chemistry of food. Mm. So, so what, do we, what do we need the most of? What do we need least of? And how do you how do you combine those things? Right. So I talk about culinary genomics first, and then I'll get a little bit into the gut health piece. Okay. Um, so with culinary genomics, I talked about Amanda Archibald, my mentor. So she's actually the one that coined that word. So basically what it is, is taking that information of the science that we learned from nutritional genomics and being able to translate that to the plate that's in an attainable, easy way. So it's being able to turn that science into a lifestyle so that we can put it on our plate, know how to efficiently cook these foods, um, how to make it pleasurable, enjoyable. And so certain things that are important for culinary genomics would be like with cruciferous, for example, which is the brassica family, the cabbage family, they are really good in sulforaphane, which is that bioactive that's going to help with quenching the fire's inflammation. Uh, What's good to know about them is that it's actually more beneficial for us to eat them raw rather than cooking them. So cooking them destroys that enzyme, which we're not able to absorb or have that bioactive available for our bodies. So, But who wants to to eat raw cabbage? Right. So what she says is to do a mix of both raw and cooked because cooking, you also get the benefits of fiber and certain vitamins and minerals. And of course the taste preferences. So she just recommends doing a mix of different things. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, some people do like raw cabbage if you like make a slaw and things like that right like when they're really good what about sauerkraut in sauerkraut it that has been a question about that so it is pretty much i'm not sure how much is available but it does get rid of a lot of the sulforaphane in it but you do get that benefit of b vitamins that are created in that fermentation process they're going to have those probiotics um, that are helpful for your gut health. And they're also going to have a lot of other vitamins and minerals that are important and they're easier to digest that way. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, good. What, what else? So, okay. So we covered that part. I mean, I know my mother used to have sauerkraut every day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she used to drink sauerkraut juice. I do that sometimes too. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately it didn't affect her longevity, but Probably there were other things she she needed to stop, like gin. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so okay, got it on that part. What else? What else would you say? Um, nutrigenomics. So basically, there's um, a lot of this information comes from Dan Butner's work, the Blue Zones. So the Blue Zones are looking at these certain pockets of areas in the world 
that he noticed as an explorer had this dense population of people that were living to be 100 years or older. So he really wanted to dive into this and look at why are they living this long? What are they doing? Just putting kind of a, a, a mirror or um, kind of zooming in and looking and see what their lifestyle is like. Mm-hmm. So, um, of course, one of their lifestyle pieces was the diet, which is most of the work that I work with. But there's some other pieces as well. I'll get into the diet first and then um, to the other pieces and why they affect the gut health. Mm-hmm. But the diet, when you look at that, we can now see that there's a genomic piece to it. So a lot of the individuals that are living to be 100 years or older, they're called centenarians. They are following like a Mediterranean diet per se, but instead of looking at the macros or the calories that they're eating, we looked at the genomic perspective of what are the certain foods and ingredients that they're eating. So these specific foods are that um, sulforaphane that I mentioned, those cruciferous vegetables. What's important to note with these certain areas is a lot of these foods are wild or foraged. So they're usually eating right off the land. Um, They can find this in um, like cabbage. They had wild greens, things like that. Another important group that they were eating was foods that were high in quercetin. So quercetin are going to be putting out the fire's inflammation as well as turning on that pathway to stop inflammation from starting in the first place. So a lot of these are going to be your alliums. So think of like garlic, onion, chives, things like that. Um, In those certain areas, however, they were, again, with like the wild greens or good source of quercetin. They also had elderberries. They may have had lovage, um, capers, things like that. So they had a good amount of these foods in their diet. And of course, like olive oil, honey, um, red wine was also important for some of these areas. So red wine is a source of resveratrol, which can be helpful for turning off that pathway that starts inflammation. I'm very glad about that because I'm a red wine fanatic. So, Right. And if you don't like red wine, there's some other um, options for you. Just red wine is one of the most studied because the Mediterranean diet is the most studied, but Also, some other sources are um, actually boiled peanuts and things like that. And then there's some other um, wild plants. I think you might be aware of it. I wrote it down um, just so I could remember what it's called because it's a thing that grows abundant in uh, New York. And it's a weed that's not supposed to be there. Dandelions. No, dandelion is a good source. Where is it? Um, Weed in New York. Oh, Japanese knotweed, I think. The Japanese knotweed. Mm. Probably my father knew about that when he was doing the lawn, but I didn't pay attention to that. I know about dandelions. Okay. Yeah, so Japanese knotweed is a good source (laughs) of resveratrol as well, and they get really tall. Um, So I wanted to write that because there are options for people in the U.S. as well to get that. I live in the desert, so there's, I don't think there's much like that. 
I don't even <laughs> want to touch most of the things that I see in the wild because it could, you know, big spikes could jump onto me with right. cacti. But yeah, I think foraging is an amazing thing if you live in an area where there are wild greens. Right. And yeah, dandelions is actually a good source of that um, quercetin we mentioned as well. Um, oh, actually, sorry, cruciferous vegetable. It's a cruciferous vegetable. And then persilum, um, you can grow that very easily in your garden. And that's a good source of cruciferous vegetable as well. Excellent. You know, I don't think we defined genome. So I think we should talk about the genome a little bit. Like I, what I know that to be is the environment, the environmental factors that play an influence on inflammation and longevity and health and so on. So the genome is like everything. The genome is like, you know, having our cell phone too close to us. That has to do with the genome. Um, if we live in the flight plan, the flight pattern, that's another f source of stress that's not in our control. But if we buy a house that's where the planes are going by mm -hmm. low, that's very bad for the genome. That mm -hmm. influences and is part of the genome. Living on a trafficked street, um, yeah. having to commute, which most people now are not because of COVID. COVID changed everyone's genome probably calmed everyone down and it changed the footprint, the carbon footprint of everyone as well, because nobody's driving that much anymore. Right. So what you're talking about is epigenetics, which oh. are behaviors that can influence our, our genes. Our, so our DNA, our genes, our genome is basically just the structure, right, of how everything is functioning together. It's like the metal pieces of a car that... Um, are all working in sync to make sure your car is efficiently running. So our genes are really important, but epigenetics are those behaviors that can change whether certain pathways are gonna be on or off that are causing inflammation or metabolism or things like that. So yeah, anything that's toxic, such as environment, the water you drink, the food you eat, the behaviors, the people you have around you, stress, that all can impact your, your genes. Mm. Excellent. Really excellent. All right. So we, we, we covered the cruciferous vegetables and um, some wild things. Mm -hmm. And what else? I mean, so I'm, cause I'm going to ask you, of course, like what your diet is, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, like, and is everyone who's listening going to go, you know, or are they going to go, Oh yeah, that's wonderful. What, you know. Right. So let's go back to the blue zones a little bit and yeah. look at what he found there. So it's on a much deeper level than just the food. It mm -hmm. looks at also the connectivity of these people that are living to be a hundred years or older. So they were never alone. That's one of the most important things to say. Um, they, he noticed Dan Butner during his interviews that people were coming in and out, whether it's family, neighbors checking in, extended family um, or friends. The other thing that he noticed about these pockets of areas is that they also would rest or have that downshifting, you can say. So we talked about sleep. So he noticed that they either had a siesta or um, like in, um, oh, I didn't mention the places I should get. So Sardinia is one of them. In Sardinia, they have like happy hour, right? So they uh, maybe it wasn't necessarily the alcohol, but just 
talking with people, going to know socializing. Place. Socializing, yeah, yeah. exactly. Sardinia is in Japan or Okinawa. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll get so uh, Loma Linda, which is in California. California. You have Costa Rica. You have Sardinia, Italy, Okinawa, Japan. And then the last one is Icaria, Greece. So an island off of Greece. Okay. So those are the areas. Um, and they all had a lot of similarities. And so the um, other ones that they had, um, oh, I'm trying to remember everything. So we said- well, they- I'll just, I'll tell you what I know about um, Okinawa and what I know about Sardinia. Mm-hmm. Okinawa, they, there was a, there used to be a supplement that was like a multi-level market that I took all the time. It was like a, it looked like pouring salt into your water, only it wasn't salt. It was called, it was, um, mm-hmm. it was like sand. And we used to pour it into the water. And they said that that was something that was glacially um, able to be found in Okinawa or off the coast of Okinawa in the waters. Um, I forgot what what the thing was called, but I took it. It was like amazing water. And it you know, it, they, I think they went out of business. I mean, I don't, I haven't heard about it in a long time. So mm-hmm. something about the water there. And then what I saw on the show, I mentioned to you before, uh, the Zac Efron show, Down to Earth, there was a whole show on Sardinia. And they showed, they traced a few of these people and their memory. And and that it seemed like they didn't eat a lot of meat. Right. They so- ate pasta. <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of the plant-based foods that I mentioned as well. So they they ate some meat, but it was like on an occasion. Right. It wasn't like the steak wasn't their main course. Hamburgers were not their main course. They ate pasta with like a, you know, uh, a green on the side and they had wine and they had bread, but everything was freshly made. Yeah. Came right out of the, them making the pasta and then putting it in the oven. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the other um, things he noticed was that they had the same friends until they died. So that's something that's rare in the U.S. Usually we're m- moving around. We don't have the same friends that we grew up with. So again, that's that connectivity part that having those relationships, they were respected as elders. So they weren't put into I'm like long- in the bell for that. That's Yes, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not shoved into long-term care or assisted living. So the best representation of that in the United States would be with the Native Americans, how they have like multi-generations living with them or um, different family members helping them. So this has been shown to really be helpful with longevity too, just because you're having that social interaction um, source of love and um respect, you know, whatever came up for each person. So having that is super important. Um, The biggest piece that I really looked at too, was that they have a sense of purpose. So they wake, wake up having a sense of purpose. And in a lot of these areas, they don't necessarily have a lot of money, they can actually be on the brink of poverty, um, and even starvation, but they still woke up with a sense of purpose. So what this kind of looks at is coming from you're in alignment, right? You're doing things that are 
fulfilling your needs and you also are doing things that you have desires for. Um, you're not really going through what the world has told you to do. You're not consuming, you know, buying things all the time, doing the next diet. You're not having a new car all the time, kind of keeping up with what society is telling you to do. They're more in the moment and living their life and what brings them joy. So I think mm -hmm. that's really amazing for us to kind of take a note on. That's a really important message. I mean, to me, that's why there's, why I have the show Sex and Happiness. And that's right. why I talk to people about that because our sexuality is free. It's in my own body. I don't need you for it. I don't need anybody for it. It's like, I feel good in my skin and mm -hmm. have purpose. And I think that's really important. I think people who don't have purpose are very lost. And about sex too, in Sardinia, they did a study in looking up these areas of why they're living long. And they did a study from 80 year olds to even including centenarians and they were still having sex. They were still Yay. enjoying pleasure. <laughs> Yay, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, so it's really important to have up. They should never, never stop. That's <laughs> yeah. great. All right, so, good. So then keep going. Right. And the last two was uh, spirituality was one. And then, oh, wait, I think I even mentioned the restoration. Um, yeah, so spirituality was the last one. So having that um, connection with whatever that is to you. It could be Loma Linda was more religious, but to some areas like Okinawa was ancestors. And, um, so it could be whatever spirituality means to each individual. Great. Really, really good. So, so there's hope for us. If we could, if we could change some things about how we live or our diet or et cetera, and change some things that have been programmed into us, like eating three square meals a day and protein being the main thing and then everything else being like a decoration on the side. You know, that's pretty much how I grew up. My mother made steak almost every night. Mm. She wanted to prove that she was now not poor. Mm -hmm. so, we, so when I left home, I never went to a steak place ever. And I stopped eating meat because I hated it. Like I had to have too much of it. Um. Mm. So then to me, vegetables and other things became interesting. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> it's fascinating how you once don't appreciate vegetables and you're not seeing the importance of it. But then when you get sick of it and start exploring what vegetables taste like, it could be kind of fascinating. Like, oh, this tastes like that. And oh, this is sour or, you know, the different textures yeah. can be really fun. Totally different. The things you mentioned before, though, I would be in trouble about the garlic, onions, and something else you said. I'm allergic to those things. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I, I can eat cooked onions, and I can eat a little bit of cooked garlic in foods, but I couldn't. Like, I remember when I was in my 20s, I used to make liver flushes and, on the blender, and they, they would have a clove of garlic in there, raw garlic. I can't. I can't eat anything like that anymore. Right. And yeah. there are different options, you know, like leeks have that as well. Or if you're wanting to just have different kinds of vegetables um, that have that quercetin, like I mentioned, um, even if it's from capers or something like that, just mm -hmm. having different sources are going to be helpful. So you don't necessarily have to eat the ingredients that are beneficial for our genes, but you can kind of see what works for you. That's what's great yeah. about this. Yeah. 
Now, in the notes that I got from you, there was something about getting a DNA test. So um, what are you talking about there? Are you talking about like 23andMe? That's an option. Um, you can get some other options as well. Okay. Um, so it depends on if you go through a provider. So certain DNA tests, you have to have a provider. Um, but I, 23andMe is a good option if you want like a low budget, like if you have a, a tight budget and it's a low cost option. Okay. So that's, yeah. Um, so why so, do you get DNA tested though? Let's talk about what DNA tests are and why would you get that? Okay. So with DNA tests, it's good to have as a tool. So it's not necessarily telling us, okay, based on your genes, you need to eat this way, or um, you need to exercise this way, but it'll tell you that, but it's really good to make sure you look at also other information, such as what symptoms are you having? Um, have you had any lab work, things like that. So DNA tests can really just kind of zoom in on that area and be like, this is what exactly is going on instead of being guessing all these lab works you have to do. Cause some people just try all these different things and that can be really expensive. Um, mm. What's also beneficial about DNA tests too, is they can show you have, they're called SNPs. So you're like predisposed to a pathway not working. So for me, for example, I have like a methylation problem, which is with B vitamins so I also had some other tests that showed, okay, um, for example, I had a hormone test, B vitamins were fine, but I had a gut test where my B vitamins were a little low. So it showed that I need to do actually supplementation. I need to have more B vitamins because I'm not getting enough from just food sources. So that's just a good tool to have. Uh, and they're getting more affordable, which is amazing. When I first started into this field, a gene test to get the whole panel was about like $1,000. Now for like a whole panel, um, it could be 300, 23andMe is as low as $100. So they're getting more affordable. And I think it's just the way that our medicine field is going. Hopefully um, it'll change a little bit. So we're looking more at, a lifestyle change and prevention mm -hmm. rather than, you know, giving us medication to help with a symptom that's not necessarily helping us with the overall picture. So hopefully medicine's changing a little bit, but we'll have to see. I don't have a lot of hope for medicine changing that much. Um, although I live in a state in, in Arizona, medicine is super progressive. It's more progressive here, evidently, than it is in California, which mm -hmm. was shocking to me. But, uh, and I'm not sure why. Maybe the, like in this state, naturopaths can write prescriptions. Mm -hmm. They can't write prescriptions for um, a certain classification of drugs, like mm -hmm. things that um, barbiturates or whatever. I don't know anybody who takes barbiturates, but. Um, they can write prescriptions for a lot of things. So that's very lenient compared to other states. Um, this is a very progressive state. I was happy to find out, but I don't know. I don't, I'm not placing, I, I don't place that much confidence in the world of medicine. Oh, well, you and I talked about it. Your brother has been studying to be a doctor or is a doctor. Right. Yeah, he's studying to be a doctor. Yes. He so it's up to them. It's up to them to make a change. If they're going to stick to what they're taught, 
yeah, I don't have any hope. But there's things like functional <laughs> MDs that right. they they go on to their own path because they notice that there's something more than just what typical medicine is teaching them. So they get another training, which looks at right. the more holistic approach. So yeah. there are there are more people out there like that. So you can always look up functional MDs by me. And there's even one, I live in a small town right now. Um, there's only like 7,000 people in this town, but there's a functional MD. So I'm pretty sure there's hope for some people to find those out there. That's great. Yeah. The, the idea, look, if you're listening to this show and you, first of all, we'll tell you how to get in touch with Bronte. So you can ask her some direct questions if you'd like to, she has a, she has a little something she's going to offer too. So we'll talk about that in a minute, but if you are concerned about your health and well-being and you you want to grow up to be like me, you know, then you, you, there are some things that you want to do. There's definitely some things that you want to take into your own hands. And I, I, you know, I personally wouldn't ask most physicians about my health. I actually right now I'm on I think I, when I saw you last, I was just starting. I'm on, this is day 25 of Sananga eye drops that mm. I'm taking to counteract the cataracts in my eyes. And um, I started Sananga on the day I was supposed to go see the, the surgeon who was going to make the operation. And um, I just canceled my appointment. I canceled it the day before or two days before saying I had work conflicts. Because I didn't figure, how was I going to tell a, an ophthalmological surgeon that I was taking drops made in the jungles of Peru, mm-hmm. you know, plant medicine? I just didn't figure that he'd understand. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to get into an argument with him about it. I didn't want to be discouraged. So it's been 25 days. You know, I don't know. I, I still can't see without my glasses, but... um I'm hopeful. <laughs> I have right. five more days to 30. And then, then my, my naturopath, my um, osteopathic physician just told me about some other drops that are, have DMSO and they have vitamin C and they have, um, what's that thing? Uh, some other great thing, uh, glucosamine. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to take those starting on November 25th. That's when they're coming here. And I'm going to keep doing whatever I have to do short of getting cut. And if I have to get cut, I'll get cut. I had already scheduled it, but I'm trying these options. I'm trying these other options first, because maybe the cataracts will just go away because of what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I have seen with different modalities that you're talking about um, work for some people. So it's good to explore as long as they're safe, you know, they're safe. They're not yeah. going to harm you in any way. You might as well see if it works. And if you align with that, that's my biggest thing. Like, do you align with doing this? Because you don't want to move forward with something that you're not jiving with, or you don't really feel connected. Right. With doing. That'll cause more peptide and more, you know, cortisol and everything else. And we don't right. want that in the gut. We definitely don't want that in the gut. All right. Let's talk a little bit about this. I, I, I'm reading it in your notes. You have something called a free five-day coaching series that you're offering. So like, what is that? And why should somebody want to get in on that? 
So a lot about what I'm doing. So I talked about the benefits of certain foods and things like that, but it's really important for us to build that foundation. So having that alignment. So having a system where we can rewire our brain patterns. You know, we talked about not being good enough, right? That's a thing that comes up a lot of times from social isolation, which can also come from like bullying, stress, uh, maybe some relationship issues, but that can cause certain belief systems as well in us where we've created from past trauma relationships where Mm -hmm. we um, are telling ourselves that we can no longer um, be healthy or we can't lose the weight. I've tried so many times, whatever we're telling ourselves. Right. And then, so we're going through that rewiring the system but also to be in alignment with ourselves, we also need to incorporate some tools that helps us drop into the body and out of the mind. So whether that's going to be like breath work or shamanic tools or, um, you know, movement. So this is really important for us before we get into the food, because like I said, if you're not in alignment Um, you're dealing with a lot of stress or um, a bad relationship, whether it's at work or whatever, you're going to be harming your gut. So your gut's not going to be able to absorb the nutrients. So I really go in through the system of creating that healthy relationship with yourself and with food before we dive into the food. And we go a little bit into that as well. So it's just really this free series um, that's going to be on online. Um, I'm having it on Facebook, but I'm going to be providing the videos on Instagram as well as YouTube so they can Mm -hmm. access it on different platforms if they don't have Facebook. And it's just a way to see some different ways of um, getting some nutrition support Um, that way, because I kind of do it a little bit differently. I don't give you the one modality of here's the nutrition, here's the tools. I give you a step-by-step process that's um, is life changing because we need to be able to change our patterns and belief systems and a relationship with ourselves before moving forward. Um, so anyways, it's just a free available tools for five days that someone can use and you can see whether you resonate with it or not. There's no harm. Um, and it's just going to be part of the, it's called find food freedom, um, program that I'm doing. So that's just going to be a part of that which goes a little bit deeper, but at least with the five series, you can see some little snippets from that. Sure. Yeah. So how do, how would people find you? How will people find you to find that? Yeah. So you can either find that at uh, the genehacker.com slash slash diet. Um, What are these called? The hyphen hyphen. Yes. Dropout. Um, Or you can find me on Facebook. Instagram is the main one that I'm on. So at the gene hacker, you can also find me on Facebook as well. Um, you can either find me on my personal or on the gene hacker. So my personal is just Bronte grooms. Um, but that's the two main platforms that I use. Okay. Let's spell it out. The gene hacker. So you know how to spell the gene is G E N E and mm-hmm. hacker H A C K E R the gene hacker. Bronte Grooms is spelled B-R-O-N-T-E-G-R-O-O-M-S. Yes. And so that's how you can find it. And then what? there was that hyphen, the gene hacker, hyphen what? So slash diet 
hyphen dropout. Dropout. Yeah. Okay. So it's diet dropout. So that's the free series. It's called diet dropout because I'm taking away from that um, what you've been told of different diets helping you and doing this. But if you don't resonate with it and it's not in alignment and plus everyone's body's different, um, it's going to cause more harm than good. So we try to step away from that and really integrating tools that are good for your unique body. Most people fail at diets. I mean, it just, Mm -hmm. even if they do well at the diet, it doesn't last. It's very, I mean, I know so many people who've had um, bariatric surgery and then they gain all the weight again. I only know two people of all the people that I know who've had the stomach stapling. I only know two people who've kept the weight off in, in, in my whole life. And I know lots of people who've had that surgery. Right. Those things just don't work. I'm currently doing intermittent fasting and I'm loving it. I'm really, I'm just, I don't have any trouble, con, you know, condensing my food. Mm-hmm. In, in a short that's, window. And that's really good too, because that takes care of senescent cells. It takes care of a lot of things that are just hanging around. Right. Um, you're not really focusing on certain food groups, really. You're just having a shorter window of eating. and Yeah. yeah and so my body goes into like, um, survival over 16 to 18 hours when it's not eating going like, I wonder if we're going to have a next meal. I wonder if we're going to eat. Am I a cave woman? <laughs> I'm real. I'm enjoying it. I'm actually enjoying the contest of it, mm-hmm. you know, fitting it into my schedule. Like, uh Oh, when can I eat today? And am I free at that time? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's been really interesting, really interesting. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. I think this is really important stuff. People ask me about these things all the time. And so you have gotten it started, you know, like you've gotten the balls. Although I've had, you know, other, I've had scientists and researchers on who are into longevity, especially like sleep experts and people like that. So I just, I think this is another piece of the puzzle that people need to find out about. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So you heard it here on Sex and Happiness. Bronte Grooms, the gene hacker. Please look her up. Please find out what she has to offer you that you don't know about. Because there's a lot of stuff going on now that we never learned. Never, ever. Um, and this is this is cutting edge, cutting edge health. So please, please do. Bronte, thank you so much for being my guest. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. And everybody, I'm going to be tuning off now for Sex and Happiness. I want to tell you to uh, tune in next time when I will have another amazing guest. I'm interviewing a woman who grew up in Greece and um, who has a whole lot of things to talk about in terms of um, current things going on in sexuality etc. So please, uh, please tune in next time. And again, this is Laurie Handler's signing off. Namaste to you all. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Laurie and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.